0: Hi everyone, my name is Steve Tudor and welcome to the Friday Show. It's a show that thinks, not for the first time, that Peter Shilton needs to be the bigger man. We're going to be paying tribute to the magnificent Diego Armando Maradona today, as well as looking ahead to Manchester City's hosting of Burnley, a game that just nine games in already feels like a must win. And to do all this, I'm delighted to be joined by Howard Hocking and a debutant in Harry Siddle. Harry, welcome to 9320, pal. you up for this? Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure. Uh, glad to have you on, man. Glad to have you on. And, of course, a big hello to Howard too. Um, disappointed it's only an hour today and not, not the full 12? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, not really, to be honest, Steve. <laughs> uh, oh, it did not feel like 12, did it? So No, it didn't. It flew, to be fair.
0: And I should say to the listeners as well, Harry, along with Adam, um, Joe, any number of other... Guys, they all offered to pitch in last week as well. We just couldn't, which is ironic. We couldn't find a time in twelve hours, but we foolishly packed everything in, didn't we? And then, um, so if we're ever insane enough to do something like that again, I think we'll kind of allow enough time to breathe and kind of have people on. So, um, yeah, thanks for that, Harry. Because yeah, I really. Appreciate yeah,
2: no worries. It. I understand how quickly time goes.
0: It flew. It really did. Yeah, before we knew it, it was like late afternoon, and then all of a sudden we've got like a packed schedule. It's like, oh my God. Um, Right then, well, past couple of days, a very sad passing of Diego Maradona. Um, Let's start with you, Harry. I know it's before your time, but kind of from, you know, YouTube clips and what you've read about the guy, was he the greatest of all time?
2: Well, I mean, I was speaking to my grandad about this, because as you say, it's it's completely before my time, but I think the main thing I kind of picked up on with, with all the tributes across social media was that once he, in the news of him passing broke, there was no sort of stats on how many goals he scored, yes. how many yeah. trophies he won. It was just videos of him just enjoying playing footy and, and kind of playing how we, we want everyone to play. Um, and all the tributes, I mean, Gary Lineker's in particular was one of the ones that I, I thought was the best. Um, but, I mean, the amount of people that came out in tribute and uh, the, the three-day morning in Argentina kind of shows how much of an, an icon he was there and there's even these clips of um, past documentaries him and there was one in particular where it was, they were talking to people in Argentina about Maradona and they were going oh Diego Diego and they were like everyone in touch went no it's God it's not Diego <laughs> yeah. so I think kind of kind of shows how how good of a footballer he was and kind of how much he was loved not just in Argentina but all over the world. Well, that
0: Lenica kind of tribute you mentioned um, on BT Sport um, where he's relaying to Michael Owen about a rest of a world match in '85 and. Prior to the game, Maradona basically booted the ball as high as he could into the air and then did so 13 times in a row. And he only had to move three steps the whole time. The thing that stood out for me from that was he then kind of said that the following Monday, everyone at Barcelona on a training pitch was trying to do it. Now, the fact that they failed was, you know, enough to show just what an incredible feat that is and something that Maradona could just do without even thinking. But you were talking about some great footballers, mid 80s Barcelona. And yeah. they're trying to do something that a fellow footballer can do, and that, that just shows the difference between Diego and his contemporaries, who you know some of whom are legends in their own right. Um, Howard, what made him so special?
1: <laughs> just his skill as a footballer, I would like, say. Yeah, the stat that Maradona one, uh, the, the Lineker story. Sorry, I think three was the most any Barcelona player could do, <laughs> yeah. and he did it thirteen, Maradona. And that is key. It's just, he was just mad. You know, I don't know. I've never seen a player who the football, and not even Lionel Messi, I would say, with some conviction, that the ball was just part of his body in a way, just glued to him as if it, you know, it really was. I've never seen a footballer have such control of, of a football ever. And you think of, you know, He's not playing in 2020. He's he was getting kicked all over the place. And, you know, hats down all the time, including that England game in '86. Some of the pitches were appalling. And, yeah, it didn't even seem to matter. He just the control of the football and stats are irrelevant because we know about you know the off-field stuff and he wasted some of his career away. So it's not about what he won across his career. Even though at his peak he just lifted his team see his club side napoli and argentina to heights that probably no other player could have done it's just about the pure skill of a footballer i would say and his effect on people his effect on the sport itself and what he means to people in his home country i'd say is there's no equal to him in that respect and probably the first icon i knew of you know growing up as a kid uh Was him and it's endeared ever since. Uh, A flawed human being, of course, you know, like many geniuses are, but just for pure football skill, I don't think anyone has matched him for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, you say he's flawed and undoubtedly he was as a a person. Um, I saw a quote in an Argentinian newspaper this week Maradona is the two mirrors that in which it's a pleasure to regard ourselves and that which shames us. And what I love about that quote is that basically sums up one game in 1986 and we'll get final with the two goals. Um, you know, we showed the best and worst of ourselves or the very best and the worst of ourselves. Uh, and instead said about him being kicked out as well. I mean, going back to that quarterfinal, Terry Fenwick revealed this week that at one stage he put him out the game early on, and mm. um, absolutely clobbered him. Uh, he went off for treatment and Fenwick and the rest of the England team thought, right, he's gone we've done it, you know, he's, he's out. And then he looked to the left and saw him bouncing up and down on the touchline, ready to come back on, and just thought, oh, no. So <laughs> a coiled spring a lot of times. He was, yeah. his loop center of gravity, the muscles he had in as well, to withstand the kind of challenges that he faced. Um, okay, a, a strange second question for you to answer, Harry, but it occurs to me he was 48 in 2008 when City, uh, when the takeover occurred. Did City miss a trick not just signing a forty-eight-year-old Diego Maradona? <laughs> I mean, okay, his fitness levels would have been low, but what a signing that would have been!
2: <laughs> you know what? I really wouldn't have been surprised if City wouldn't have done it, especially around the time with the, the kind of signings we were going for. I Remember an interview a couple of years ago with Gary Cook when he kind of talked through all that, like the mental signings we yes. we're, were planning. Um, so I'm not. I mean, with them sort of players, I always think that it doesn't really kind of matter how old you are when you're so technically gifted. I mean, going back to that Gary Lineker story, um, you know, him doing them kickups uh, when he was sat down in the changing room for about five minutes just with his left foot. I think technical players like that kind of never really lose the quality, especially mm. ones of, of of Maradona's stature. Uh, so I think even if he would have, even if he'd come in City, he'd have been the best player in the club by a mile, even at 48. <laughs> I
1: did not want to look after his body, though, was it? Let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> yeah. N- no Latin. Uh I mean, you've got that, you know, people mentioned it, I think it's going to be in Terrestrial TV soon, that Maradona, I think it's just called Maradona, by right yeah. the time at Napoli, and from the first second of the the documentary, you'll be glued to the screen. Yes. Uh, yeah. It's just amazing. But, you know, he, he did it at Napoli as well. He used to just, you know, drug-taking for three days a week, partying, and then second half of the week, train, get his fitness back, put a shift in on the match and then back to partying again. So he never looked after himself and it would have been a utter disaster, obviously. I mean you can see after Napoli I think it was Sevilla first. then uh, Sevilla afterwards, the new as old boys never really did it. You know, Barcelona wasn't the best either, but for that seven years at Napoli once they understood what a genius they had with him and how important he was to the club was some of the most influential club performances a footballer's probably ever put in because I don't think Napoli were expected to yeah. win anything oh, right. I don't think they've won the league yeah. before to win it twice to win in Europe to win their cup was just astonishing so yeah Can I don't, you imagine I don't, I don't think he'd be much use football. at 48 though he as, I tried it as a manager as well but you know <laughs> and yeah. that was a bit of a disaster but uh, I know to use the uh, that saying that the brightest lights burn the fastest he certainly did that uh, but at his peak yeah Astonishing, really. Yeah, we're well, seeing Harry about the, the lifestyle today. I'm and- just
2: saying, <laughs> yeah. And, um, especially nowadays, football kind of our cleanse days. Uh, I don't think his kind <laughs> yeah. of lifestyle would have. Uh- would have suited the Premier League, especially when we had that takeover. I don't think the the club's hierarchy, the way the way we look at players, would have looked at that and just thought that's the player we want at our club. And so we did sign Mario Balotelli, to be fair. So maybe, yeah. but <laughs> as he wouldn't have survived, especially modern day Premier League, they would have the press would have absolutely murdered him. Well, it, it would just been
0: the privilege to to have seen him. You know, oh, of chance. course, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, a forty eight year old you know footballer, of course he's way past his peak. But I would have just. Love to have gone to every game to see Robinho and Diego Maradona play up front. Felt oh. don't don't care if we'd have got made top four. You know, it doesn't matter. None of that would have mattered. Just to see Maradona on a weekly basis would have just been incredible. Um, that's what
1: you pay your money. Well, yeah. exactly? You pay our, yeah. We pay our money to yeah, because we love the sport. But you know, players like him, just to see him in the flesh. The things he would have done. I mean, you mentioned there about Napoli.
0: You know, it can't be overstated how ordinary Napoli were before he went there. Mm. He won two Serie with him. Uh, he won a World Cup with a, a perfectly ordinary Argentina team. No other footballer in the history of sport has done that. I mean, you can look at yeah. Pele, and, and Pele was surrounded by extraordinary footballers. Maradona was with a, a fairly average team, and he took them to... A league title. He was with another fairly, fairly average team, They he took them to a World Cup. He did it single-handedly.
1: He won. He won a World Cup. Um, it's incredible football. Yeah, I think that's just to see thing. what he means. Uh, sorry, to Argentinians. Just there was a stream yesterday. You know, his coffin was out. People were walking past, yeah. you know, in a, a yeah. church or somewhere to pay their respects, and just to look at the faces, you know, as they went past, was like. Quite haunting in a way, but as Harry said, it literally a god to Argentinian oh, yeah. people.
0: So okay, he's I mean he's a god to Argentina, of course he is, but to the rest of the world, um, how much does it matter or how little does it matter, Harry? His kind of off the field antics, his drug taking, his cheating, I guess, in in the quarter final in eighty six. Um does that matter to you?
2: Um I think he just kind of lived his life. Kind of like how he played his football. He just wanted to live it how he lived it. And Mm. I suppose it's, I suppose if he's not kind of committed to anything, I suppose you, where when you're with a club, you, you, you know, the club can kind of have your best interest. But I mean, he wasn't really committed to anything and there was, the, all the stories that have come out since, I mean, you, do you remember that iconic kind of image of him at uh, the World Cup when Messi had scored for Argentina on that balcony? Yeah. And, yeah, and you could kind of tell, and everyone kind of knew what was going on in his lifestyle. I mean, there was that, that mega Liam Gallagher interview where, where, when he was at his party with him in Argentina on tour with Oasis. Uh, so I just, no, I, not not for me personally, but I, I could see why some people had a problem with it. But again, he wasn't tied to any club, so it was kind of like how he wanted to live his life, which was fair play to him.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, there's there's a clip out there of him in a, a charity game. Uh, he hadn't long retired, I don't think, and he scored a penalty. And someone comes onto the pitch w- with a line of cocaine on on the back of their hand for him to to snort on okay. the pitch in in a full stadium televised game. He, yeah, he never hid who he was. We can certainly say that. <laughs> Personally, I like my statesmen to be reasonable and decent and well adjusted. I like my heroes in in the kind of form of Martin Luther King, for example, to be reasonable and decent and well-adjusted. I like my footballers and musicians and actors to be crazy, you know, and go to the proverbial edge. I want them to be mad as batshit crazy, to explore every stitch of life's, you know, rich tapestry. I want them to be kind of rebels, and I want them to show kind of the full extent of who people can be. Um I, I adored him. Um How did it matter to you?
1: Matter? I don't. I don't know how to answer that. Matter in. Did, I mean, did, yeah. did it? Did it diminish who I he mean, was to you? I mean, well, no, because I mean, we're talking about him. I'm talking about the football in a way. You know, mm. it's the same with musicians, isn't it? I mean, there's you know, people more intelligent than me will have to have this, you know, kind of pseudo intellectual conversation about whether you can listen to musicians who have done terrible things or. Yeah, there's like classical composers who were horrible, horrible people, <laughs> yeah. homophobes or yeah. Nazi sympathizers. Like, do we stop listening to them or do you appreciate the music? Uh, let's talk about Morrissey. <laughs> he said some terrible. He's not not had Maradona's life, but yeah, you know, he's he's held some views I find you know quite abhorrent. But yeah. can I appreciate his music? Yes, I can because I want to listen to it and nothing. And we're just talking about his football. I guess you'd have to ask the people around him, the people who. You know, he didn't, he did bad things. He had mafia links in Napoli. He was just caught up in a crazy circus in a way. So who knows what, why he made the decisions. He was obviously taking a lot of drugs. He didn't acknowledge a, a son he had for a few years. He's estranged from people. Yeah, he's flawed and it's part of the discussion. But after someone's died, I appreciate that we talk about one of the greatest footballs, possibly the greatest, that's ever. Walk to the earth, and you can discuss the other stuff another time. In a way, the cheating thing, by the way, that's just such an English tabloid <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. I know it was a yeah. case England. I mean, when Cherry Henry dies, will we be will we be talking about his hand, handball against Island? Yeah. No, of course we won't. Most the majority of footballers cheat on a football pitch, even if it's trying to get a throw in. They you know that's that like the feigning of injury every single game. It, it's not sp- sp- he's not a he's not a yeah. I don't know. I just don't think he's a bigger cheat than anyone else that's played the game because he wants punched a ball in. It's up to the referee to see that. Uh, mm. Plenty of players have done it, and plenty of players will get away with it. I just it's not. It's not the angle to take when discussing Diego Maradona. But of course, it involved England, so. It has to be an angle for well, quite exactly. a lot of media coverage, it's doesn't it? a bit sickening, particularly Shilton,
0: just coming out of the woodwork all <laughs> across the media this week. The first rock of civilization is to respect the dead. It's the first rock, and Shilton, to come out like he has this week. And, and I, I saw a comment he made where, oh, he's very clever, actually, because if you watch it, he, he moves his head as if he said, yeah, he cheated you, Shilton, he got the better of you. If I was a Nigerian prince right now, I'd be sending emails to Peter Shilton... <laughs>
2: So
0: I've he, heard he yeah. higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would have helped if
1: he jumped properly. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly.
0: Yes. Um no Maradona, just the greatest footballer who's ever lived in in my book. And you mentioned the documentary there, Howard. Um Harry, have you seen the documentary?
2: I have not, but he's next on my watch list for sure. It's
0: amazing, mate. It really is. It, it's a I think it's Amazon and there's more for it on there. Um became, no, I just what sorry just
1: what to say I think it is being Planned to be put on terrestrial TV
0: soon. Lovely. Because, anyway, so. um, yeah, it begins with him signing for Napoli and basically being chased through the streets of Napoli by kind of all the paparazzi. Um, and it's it's incredible. It's, it's fantastic. Uh, and the same documentary maker, by the way, has made one on Amy Winehouse, which is unbelievable, and Ed Senna. And I'm not a mote racing fan, but that documentary, yeah, Senna. Senna,
1: Senna, one's amazing. Oh. As
0: well. Right, let's move on to City. Um, it's bothering me lads. The fact that we basically can't get the ball in the net anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And when we do, it takes us 22 shots to do so, as, as was the case on Wednesday night. We either create loads of opportunities, but fail to take them. Or this season, we're increasingly seeing uh, a failure to create chances or at least as much as we did last year. I can't remember a time when we were clinical, when we no. you know, made 15 chances and scored six or seven. Harry, what's going on?
2: Can I just say it's so typical City that we've finally sorted out defensive issues and now we can't score a goal. <laughs>
0: yeah, I know. <laughs> it's
2: just, I, I, honestly, I, I can't tell you. Yeah, I mean, I think what you've got to take into account as well that it, it's so random that every single one of our wingers, bar Ferran Torres, is completely out of form. Mm. We've had both our strikers injured and, and Pep Guardiola refuses to, to play the, the only midfielder who knows how to score a goal in a moment in Phil Foden. <laughs> So I, I think that you got to take that into account, but I don't know. I think there could be an issue with confidence. I mean, there is one particular incident I wanted to pick out against Spurs. I don't know if it's the confidence of just this player, but we, we we get a good counterattack going, and Bernardo Silva gets the ball in such a prime position for a player of his quality, open go- a kind of an open goal, and he, he could bend it with his left foot on his strong foot, but instead he kind of cuts back and plays it wide. I don't know if it's just a confidence with Bernardo the way he's playing yeah. at the moment, but I I mean I. One thing I I give Pep credit for the other week or the other week is that he kind of admitted we had an issue. I mean, every time we've had an issue in the past, he's kind of gone, no, 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 it's something, or something else. Samuel. But he finally admitted that we've kind of got a problem in front of goal. I'm not sure if it's something Pep can fix himself. Maybe a change of system might help. Um, but there's loads of different factors. But honestly, I, I'm as baffled as everyone as uh, how we've completely just gone to bits around the box at the moment.
0: Well, to be fair to the both of you, this is... An impossible subject to explore because if even if you knew the answer, then I'm sure you could, you know, contact the club and make a great deal of money <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. by selling that answer to, to Manchester City right now because it, it just it's ongoing. Um, Howard, what's your take on it, and and how concerned are you by it?
1: Um, I think at some point it will click into place. I don't want to get boring saying the same thing. I think that is a sign of the times as well. I do think not just City, a lot of... And I know there's some teams functioning quite well at the moment. I do think there's a fatigue issue just across the board. But then you go and see some of our players just knocking the ball in for fun at international level and you think, well, they can't be that uh, fatigued. Mm. I think... I mean, I've, I've said for years, like, we just don't shoot enough. <laughs> you know, that Bernardo Silva situation just sums it up. Just trying to score the perfect goal... And we could score a perfect goal when, you know, in Pep's second, third years, because we stretch the pitch more. I think Pep doesn't really like shots being taken from outside the area much. I think yeah. he likes he likes a perfect goal where it's ta- it's made easy for someone about five yards out from a cross, you know, for a pass that's put across the goal. I think we just need to examine a few more diverse options. I okay, Olympiakos might not tell us a lot. But well, my concern more was that we weren't creating enough chances. Been profligate for a long, long time. I mean, if we weren't, we'd be breaking scoring records. Yeah, I think world yeah, records yeah. would be breaking. I mean, <laughs> we've got—we're not going to take all the chances because we tend to create a ridiculous amount of them. Uh, but I think it was Lloyd that said on yesterday's review we did that. Uh, I can't remember the guy on Twitter now. So sorry for not name-checking him. That said. Uh, something, Kaylee, sorry for, might be Michael, said that City have had the most touches in opposition penalty areas, which surprised me, you know, in the league this year, right. it might have been. That surprised me. I thought we'd have the most touches just outside the penalty area. Uh, but that just shows if we're having so much possession within an opposition penalty area, I'd just like us to see us shoot more. I'd like to have left footers on the left side, right footers on the right side, and stretch and get beyond full backs And Mendy showed. Might not have been a perfect performance, you know. What difference can make when you've got someone going past the fullback and getting to the line? And uh, it, there's a confidence issue, it's fatigue, it will cl- click into place. I think we've got these, you know, it's been already mentioned, we've got these winnable home games. Uh, not saying we will win them, but the, yeah. we've had a tough fixture list all said, though, we should have done better, obviously, and there's lots of issues but we've got seven home games that at our peak, we would win them all comfortably. So I would hope he takes the brakes off a bit and we attack these sides, get some width, uh, stretch teams and just, yeah, less of this cutting into traffic, inverting players, yeah. and really, really use the width of a pitch, I think. to. Uh, but I think if we thrash one side, it, you know, it may come. It might the floodgates may open. That's my hope anyway. We've got I'd no. Say we've co- got no concerned. Yeah, I'm concerned. But I think we had to sort defence out. And in a way, you know, maybe by sorting defence out, it's I don't know if it's connected to the chances we create. So.
2: Yeah, I was just gonna say we've kind of got no threats from outside the box. So I know players come out in the the press all the time and moan about teams who are putting ten men on the edge of the box, but if We've got no threats from outside the box that can score a goal from from them areas and we have to play kind of inside the area, as you say, that touches in the opposition box. Teams are just going to completely flood that area and stop any of our technical players getting on the ball or any sort of wingers, Sterling, Mahrez, are just beating one player and then there's another three players to beat. So it's, it's kind of impossible to to, to to get past. So I think we've got to show that we we can score goals from different areas than just kind of playing it along the box for a tapping mm. uh, and get some players who can... Can actually have a goal I mean Bernardo Silva's got one of the sweetest left foot in the Premier League and he just he doesn't seem to be having a goal I mean one at the start of the game Rodri had a kind of a rocket and nearly scored and just having that thought in the back of a defender's mind that they can score so we might have to close them down might leave more space for the likes of Sterling, uh, Mares, whoever's playing on the wing to kind of get in behind and get that space to get the ball back across. Do you
0: both think that we just don't do enough <laughs> I'm always reluctant to say this because it always sounds so simplistic and I always believe I must be wrong because it's so simplistic. But whenever I see City in these days, we're not doing those quick triangles out wide anymore. We're not kind of creating the overloads. We're not kind of, you know, the fullback isn't getting the support of two midfielders anymore. I'm just doing those quick kind of triangle passes which create space, create overloads. You know, someone comes in from the left entirely on their own for a simple tapping I mean how many goals did sterling score yeah which were just simple you know from five yards out tappings because we dragged the entire opposition over to one side of the pitch we, yeah. I never see that anymore and i i I remember Pep speaking about it eighteen months ago or something saying he was concerned that basically opposition found this out and found ways to stop this well that like, surely it can't be this right across the board I mean surely it would still work or oh, Harry, it might just be too simplistic there.
2: Um, I think it's a number of factors. I think one is that David Silver is perfect at doing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think we underappreciated the link up David Silver and Leroy Sane had with each other on that side. I think they were perfect for each other. Sane had the speed to play the one two. David Silver was good enough to play the ball. I'm not saying for one second that Bernardo Silver or Kevin De Bruyne can't play them type of balls, but we don't seem to have found a combination like Sane or Silver yet that can do that. Uh, I don't know if that comes with more time together on the pitch. Maybe Torres can form sort of this, that sort of thing with, with De Bruyne or, or Sterling can form it with De Bruyne or whatever. But as you said, Sterling was always in them positions because, as you said, them triangles between uh, David Silver and Leroy sending them simple one-twos were just so effective with Sane's pace and and David Silva's ability. So I think there's definitely a point there to work on. But I don't know, as Howard said, that may come with rhythm. I mean, now we've got a full squad back. If we can get them kind of into a rhythm and all of them playing and get Sergio Sharp and everyone who's been injured kind of sharp and ready to go, hopefully Mm, it might just take one game that we completely smash someone at home for it all to click into gear and for them to get the confidence back.
1: I mean, let's not forget early season. We had no close season, uh, pre-season season and then we suffered a ridiculous number of injuries. And perhaps now we're only getting to the point with the squad where Pep can see, you know, can expect some sort of normality from the team. The lack of a pre season isn't an excuse anymore going forward because we're well into the season now. But I think it did have an effect for a long time. And that every club manager is just trying to juggle the players they've got so they don't lose half the squad again for two weeks here, a month here. And everything else, but I think the word, and I really struggle to say this word, even though it's simple, is dynamism for me. (laughs) I said it. I always try and put an extra N in the middle. (laughs) Dynamism. Uh, I just, yeah, we have that. That would bore with Double pivot talk again, but I think you know, just the likes of Torres and Sterling. Torres is still obviously a prospect. He's not the finished product. Even if he does get hat tricks for Spain, I think. Just the pace and the dynamic nature of our football in the past has been lost a bit. The intensity, and maybe we just can't with this schedule have that intensity. How we press and get the ball back quickly. and Yeah, I think the key for me, as I've said in previous podcasts, is possession for the sake of it. And for me, maybe we need to seed possession a bit more because I think we'd be very potent on the counter-attack. But I also think that goes against everything Pep stands for. And I don't know how you seed possession in a way when you're so good at keeping the ball. What, do you just welly it to them and then retreat? I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? But, I mean, we'd be brilliant counter-attacking more rather than just having to break teams down every single week. So just to confirm then Howard, what you're
0: essentially saying is City would do better right now if we had Solskjaer in charge, rather
1: than <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I'm making, yeah. It, I'm making that bold call now. <laughs> yeah. Um, well,
2: the contract on the table <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> and sign it. Yeah, he's at the wheel. <laughs>
0: if um, indeed it's going to take one game and just kind of break our duck, as it were, and, and kind of get back into the flow of things, will it be Burnley? Um, I don't fancy Burnley at all this season. I don't want to jinx anything. Of course, you know anything can happen, but I, I feel we, we should just dispense it them quite easily this weekend. I do not fancy Burnley. At all this year, um, but let's say it does go wrong. Harry, can we afford to drop <coughs> points at this stage of the season? Is is it a must win now?
2: Oh, I, I mean, I, I, it definitely is. I mean, there's, there's some results that you can look back on at the end of the season and go, "Well, yeah, we, you know, we we could have dropped points there." Like we obviously have our annual three points dropped at Liverpool, but even drawing with Liverpool at home, okay, I think we should have won the game, but. We can kind of accept it. Liverpool are probably one of the best teams in the league, if not the world, at the moment. But it's results like drawing at West Ham. And, and if you if drop points this weekend, it's one of them results you look back on and go, how did we drop points there? If we want to win the title, yeah. we can't. We simply cannot. Especially, I mean, I watched Burnley's game against Palace last week. They, they <laughs> scored a long ball goal. They were abysmal. Honestly, abysmal. But we know what's going to happen. Sean Dyche is just going to put everyone on the edge of the box and hope City don't score.
0: So if it gets to the hour mark, then yeah, the nerves will be tangled. But at least you know this is a situation, Howard, where in an empty stadium, when it gets to that kind of sixty-minute, sixty-five-minute mark and it's nil-nil, at least you know we can't project our kind of nerves onto the players.
1: Yeah, well, oh yeah, indeed. Uh, but then again, the crowd could, you know. Players, you ne- yeah, know. the players. Yeah, yeah. You never know. You have to wait for a game to start sometimes to know. Would a crowd have helped here? Or <laughs> exactly? Interest? No,
2: yeah. not with the Etihad crowd. It would definitely have hindered. They they'd definitely
1: get on the backs. Yeah. Oh yeah, they yeah, me? Yeah. Where I sit? Yeah, they'd be moaning after three minutes. To be honest, so uh, as would I. So <laughs> not, not picking out my friends there, but uh, all <laughs> <laughs> the gone to the bar after twenty minutes if we hadn't scored. So I would just uh, kind of uh, no? But I mean stubbornness, isn't it? Sorry, go and stay. Yeah,
0: I was going to say just to parallel. The same question on to you. Um, can we afford to drop points? I mean, if we lose, is the title race over for you, for City? No,
1: of course it's not over, no. It will be some distance away, <laughs> How can it be away, over? Mate? can't be over, can it? Oh, oh,
0: yeah, I forgot about your mathematical... Oh, <laughs>
1: yeah, <can't>, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Uh, no, I mean, obviously it would be... A, Mathematically, it, it, it wouldn't a... be
0: over. But, of course, if we lose against Burnley, and then Chelsea are playing Spurs, and one of them, you know,
1: if one of them win... The, the the gap down looks substantial, mate. If we lose against Burnley, then I'm I'm ripping my nutter <laughs> out of the wall. this <laughs> the season, a very 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 <laughs> very long walk. Uh, yeah, if we lose, then fair enough. I'll give it you because that would be unbelievable. Yeah, uh, but yeah, the option. I mean, the problem here is the stubbornness of Burnley. I mean. They've been stubborn before with us when we've been, you know, at our peak, and we know they'll be stubborn here, and it could be the same problems. Of course, if you say frustration, being patient, and yeah, you know, what what would really help would be an early goal. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, but you know they will be stubborn, and they will they will fill that penalty area. Uh, I think Pope's out. Uh, Is he really? I, I didn't know. Oh that. really. Well, he's got concussion, I think, last week. So he's a big doubt anyway. Right. They've got a few other players out. Uh, but, you know, you wouldn't say any of them are star players that, you know, you take one out and it all falls apart. They will be the same team in a way doing, you, know, and will be as stubborn as ever. So it's a similar problems, I think, we'll face the team as as a faced does in the past about teams that don't really want to come out. But, as Harry said, we've got this squad pretty much together now. We've got options... Uh, if, it, if they are stubborn, let's hope Pep doesn't make his first substitution in the 87th minute. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, w- I would hope we just go at them because we don't, we don't, you know, they won't have this, I'm not saying they're devoid of pace, but they won't have that worry about being, you know, it's not like yeah, absolutely. Kane, is it, just picking us off on the counter-attack. Yeah. I think this is where we have to really just take the handbrake off and go at them. Get that, yeah. Maybe Mendy will start. Get get behind, get wide, and get behind them, and really go after them somehow.
0: Well, with that in mind, Harry, what lineup, kind of setup are you anticipating?
2: Um, Well, I I mean, there's two different lineups, isn't it? It's what the the fans want, and then it's what Pep's going to do. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) I I assume that the the back four will kind of stay the same from the previous Premier League games, and it's in a way as much as I think I I agree with Howard Cancelo on the left kind of flaws, how much width we can get. I still think he's going to play him
1: yeah, with the, probably, obviously
2: yeah. the usual Walker of Diaz and Laporte. Um, and then, <laughs> I really, really want Phil forward at the start with Kevin De Bruyne. But, will, will he do that? I don't know. I mean, he deserves to, but he, he does really like Gundogan and Rodri together. <laughs> so, I, I'm, I'm not too sure. And then the front three, I think it may be a game too early for Sergio to start. So I think Jesus still yeah. starts up front. And then Sterling is in every Pep Guardiola team, and then I think Torres might come back in. Howard,
0: any any differences to that?
2: Well, not what I want,
1: but yeah, Torres yeah. may well <laughs> appear on that team sheet. Uh, I want to oh, see Murray. Phil Foden, I want to see Torres. Uh, why does, Jesus, oh, sorry, Howard? I know this is a you know a
0: very simple question, but why does Torres start so often the season? Well. Huh? No, he's
1: asking the wrong person. <laughs> it's, it's baffling though, isn't it? Any other player with, with that kind of he, dearth of form. Just, just to defend it, he does get the stick that others don't. So Bernardo would never get the, the yeah, online okay, abuse. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, well, no, Kevin having a couple of off weeks is is not the same as Mars, no. who hasn't really... You know, Mars was good last season. And Stats back it up, he really was. So it's not as if we're coming off it's not as if he's coming off a whole season of this same thing. It's a it's a this season thing, and the stats really support that he's been off. But but it hasn't been the only one. Yeah, would Sterling get as much stick as Mares? No, uh, definitely not. It's not about getting stuck though.
0: It's about getting picked. I mean, he's getting selected. Yeah, yeah,
1: but, yeah. I'm never gonna go on social media just slag off. Liam It achieves absolutely nothing. We're just having a discussion, saying, "Yeah, we'd, ra- we'd rather so and so would be picked over so and so, and we don't think he's playing very well." And that's that's where analysis should end for me, rather than just you know abuse, basically. Oh yeah, there's no, there's uh, but you could say the same argument that should Raheem Sterling start in a way. Uh, you know, I asked Lloyd on the, after the Olympiacos review or on it, do you think he played well against them? Obviously, a brilliant assist in a way. Uh, but again, yeah, there's plenty of players who are just not hitting top four. Is it fatigue, is it form, or is it the system that's yeah. just frustrating them? I don't there's so many issues uh, up there. So I just think we'll be more dynamic <laughs> going forward if we have the likes of Sterling, Jesus, you know, a young, young, young yeah. front line of Torres and just go at them like that. Uh and Foden or Phil Foden. Obviously. If he's on the bench, you know, well, well what could I say? The
2: problem we have, the problem we have is I mean, someone asked me at the start of the season what's your one target for Guardiola this season. I said to kind of pick players on form, but at the moment <laughs> there's one winger yeah. in Torres that's playing well. So you take your pick out of Sterling, Bernardo. there's not really one player in particular that's that's standing out amongst the rest, apart from maybe apart from maybe Torres. But Foden he's just standing out in terms of kind of like the whole squad. So I don't see why Pet drops him when he's playing so well and he's so creative. He's yeah. the nearest in the squad we have to having like a David Silver in that type of areas because he's creative and he gets in so many areas that can score goals and it's so much some of our midfielders don't give us.
1: Well, well on that's that part of- the problem of not scoring you asked earlier, Steve, it's just balls do go across that six-yard line, you know, whatever, cost the penalty area and there's no one there.
0: Yeah.
1: And yeah. Foden is, Foden just wants to head towards goal. Yeah. It's so direct. It's so what we need. The only extending rate circumstances could think when we, you know, we discussed it again with Lloyd why say on the Spurs games on the bench is, uh, well, Kevin De Bois had two weeks off, the, you have these zones, coloured zones, totally. not So, yeah. if you go into red zone then you're highly prone to an injury uh, and, Possibly for Spurs, was he nearing the red zone or in the orange zone? But Phil has not played every game this season, so I find it find it unlikely that he's going to be one of the more fatigued players. To be honest, so well, yeah, I'm mean, sure he's going a
0: feature at some point um, against Burnley, and let's hope from the start. Uh, what about Fernandinho, Harry? Do you think um, he's ready to come back now? Do you reckon you know he'll be? He's an option at least.
2: He's definitely an option, but I don't. I don't think. I don't think he plays him, but. I was watching a, a couple of stuff, because obviously I've been so bemused about why we can't score, and I was watching so much stuff from the two seasons where we did win the league, and hmm. you kind of don't realise when you're watching it live, but, you know, obviously the importance of Fernandini with yes. that team. of, yeah. And I mean, I think Micah Richards summed up perfectly on BT Sport the other week. Fernandino has that sense of danger that Rodri doesn't. He completely cuts it out his source. If he doesn't tackle him, he brings him down. Yeah. Uh, and he's a lot more mobile than Rodri. I think he's a lot more creative than Rodri. Maybe Rodri's better at kind of passing the ball, but... I think Fernandinho's got a bit of a creative knack about him, and I would love him, absolutely love him, to, to come back and play in that defensive midfield. But I think Pep likes Rodri in there, so I don't think he will. But he's definitely a brilliant option as well.
1: This could this could be the game for him, though, because not, he's not going to have to sweep up too much and can distribute the ball. But then maybe it's the game for Rodri as well. Rodri absolutely destroyed Burnley. I think 1-4-1 there. Yeah. That's the yeah. best game, was it? it was it last season? The season before? No that's concept that's of time, time anymore. So yeah. <laughs> he's played well against Burnley, I think, Roger, because he's not. It's not coming up against here like Liverpool, Southampton pressing midfield as much, and he can distribute the ball. Well, I think we do go a bit over the top with Fernandinho because, and I'll say, I only say that because of his age. You know, I we're not going to get the Fernandinho we used
2: to have. No, of course not. But put, put, sorry, he's well sorry. if
1: he's well rested. Ninety minutes. Maybe we will get the Fernandinho we used to have. So
0: could we still have a Fernandinho we used to have for this season at least? That's my thinking now. I mean, <laughs> last last year I was thinking of the bigger picture and I was thinking, okay, Fernandinho now is in his mid thirties. We need to start bringing Rodri through. The way that this season's panned out, we need to improve and we need to improve quickly and we need to kind of basically click back into gear. I think we need Ferner, and and I think whether it's a short term answer or not, um, I think he's still got the legs to do it for the next few months.
1: Yeah, sparingly, yeah, but didn't he play against yeah. Leicester and he was a, had a terrible game, I think. So, mm. uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, that'll be an age thing as well, you know, because, yeah, well, of course, it catches up on all levels. So, yeah, yeah I think yeah, you'd have to pick the games. But, yeah, he, he can still do it, but I'm not sure in very high-tempo matches, I don't know if he's still got it in him. Mm.
2: Okay. I, um, I, I don't know about the... I mean, I think you're right. I think you've got to pick the games with him. I think with Ferner, I think he, he's perfect for the games, like, I think he's perfect for games against Liverpool where there's a lot of aggression in here. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you're right about Rodri wanting to, to, to sweep up in games like this at the weekend. It, it's kind of perfect for him. He'll just win his aerial battles and and kind of keep the play ticking if Burnley are going to sit 10 men on the edge of the box, which I assume they will do. But Fernandinho in, in the bigger games, in the games where teams are going to play more expansive football, if he cuts it out, in the midfield and can start as a counter attack. I think he's more able to do that than Rodri. I don't know if you agree.
0: No, I completely agree. I, I really think that he has all the attributes needed. And I don't think his age is, is, is a factor, as long as it's not week in, week out, and we're not grinding him down. I think he's got a big part to play Fernandinho. And I hope so as well, because he's one of my mm. favourite players. So, right, yeah. um, But looking at the bigger picture, looking at the kind of further down the line and the kind of Christmas schedule we've got coming up. Uh, I think it was you, Howard, you put on Twitter uh, perhaps that City's next home games, Burnley, Fulham, West Brom, Newcastle, Brighton, Crystal Palace, Sheffield United. Yeah, I'd expect City to win all of those games. They're certainly capable of winning all those games. Is it an exaggeration, Howard, to s- suggest that maximum points are needed from all seven? No, not needed, but,
1: well, yeah. <laughs> Very useful. <laughs> Don't get, let's not go down that rabbit hole again. Don't forget, <laughs> Pal- Palace at home is one of our toughest games of the season. Yeah,
0: Where, that's, <laughs> true. that's true. Yeah, absolutely.
1: we uh, we seem to have some uh, yeah <laughs> yeah some absolutely. They're our bogey side now at the Etihad. So uh, I mean, Chris Palace are weird. They, they won one at at Leeds, didn't they? Then yeah, as you say, against Burnley, they were just well. If Zaha's not in the team, they're just half the yeah, team Liverpool. basically. Uh, yeah, but, I mean. Nineteen points minimum. <laughs> there you go, Steve. Can't ask for more than really that months, for okay. me. Yeah.
0: I'm I'm not trying to trick you. I'm not trying
1: to I'm not gonna sell your quote to a paper afterwards. <laughs> I mean we don't we don't well we don't know. I mean what, what is the points target for winning the league? I'm I'm guessing here eighty-five might do it. Yeah. Uh which yeah. you know, and that's about thirteen fourteen down on what it was the previous two years that was needed, you know, to get above Liverpool. So we've lost some of that 13, 14... And, yeah, I've mentioned the home games, but away, we've obviously got United. I think we've got Southampton as well. So they're trickier. So, yeah, that does put extra pressure on the home games because the away games are certainly not as, as straightforward. So
0: Okay. Well, let's kind of switch attention to uh, another big game this weekend. Um, I want to kind of dig down into this and, and talk about this, but times against us. So let's just kind of... Boil it down to one question, Harry. Uh, looking at Chelsea and the Spurs this weekend, I brought a preview uh, about this game yesterday where I said they were pretenders to be contenders, essentially saying it, whoever wins this weekend can legitimately say, right, we're going for a league this year. Um, could a title bid by Spurs restore Jose Mourinho's damaged reputation?
2: Oof. Um, I think Spurs definitely could challenge. And yeah, you're right. I think if they beat Chelsea this week, definitely. But I don't know if they're very reliant on Son and Kane. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so if, I mean, they're very fortunate that they've had all the better players kind of fit for the majority of the season. Plus they've got, you know, the option of Gareth Bale off the bench, which is not a bad option to have. Um, if they can keep, especially Son and Kane fit, I, I don't see why not. I mean, Mourinho can, can, I think he's shown this season he can he can change it up. I mean, he he did an absolute defensive masterclass against us, but then he went to Old Trafford and was just absolutely exhilarating going forward in attack. So he's shown this season he's got a bit of diversity. He's changed it up. I don't know if that's because he's got different personality. He can kind of play more on the counter attack. But yeah, I, I honestly, I think I think this I, I said it I said it earlier in the season anyway. And they they have dropped some silly points, especially against like the, the likes of West Ham, but. Honestly, I think either one of them this weekend uh, could put a real statement down. Uh, but I think with the quality Spurs have got up front, I, th- I think it could be them more than Chelsea.
0: Howard, could you see either team realistically being there, lasting the lasting the distance?
1: Yeah, I'm co- well, coming round to it. I get, as I I've, having said, I think, I mean, we're already we're close to December now. So it, it's about Kane and some staying fit. I think, for Spurs.
0: Yeah. We're a quarter of the way through the season, exactly.
1: A quarter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh my it feels gosh. Like, yeah, but all, you know, I think if they stay fit, you just don't you don't know what's coming, do you, in a way? But it is the season where the usual suspects, say City, Liverpool, well, you <laughs> City at the moment especially, are under biggest threat. So, I think so. Chelsea, I was like, very dismissive because I thought Frank Lampard can't organise a defence. But He's definitely they're definitely getting into a rhythm now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I'm definitely more the the feeling that they could be, I of the two, I would say Chelsea, the bigger threat, because they've got plenty of depth there as well and seem to be, you know, they've got that rhythm going and they're getting the results and they've got a competent keeper. <laughs> you know, they've got <laughs> a competent keeper in and every shot's not going to go in. And, yeah, I just feel, I think as Chelsea fan, you feel a bit... I feel... I'm not still so convinced about Lampard, but he's doing. He's definitely doing all right at the moment. And that is a very, very talented squad that's probably got a bit more depth from it than Spurs. And it's going to be a fascinating game, to be honest. I wouldn't like to say how it's going to go or who's going to win it, because it's one of those games where anything could happen. So, yeah, as I said, eight, five points might do it. Just to keep up this form. Uh, you, it could be one of many teams... I would still make Liverpool the favourites. If you look at the bookies, City are still the second favourites for the league, (laughs) just behind Liverpool. (laughs) So there you can make of that what you will. But yeah, there's plenty of teams that, you know, why not? Why not? Because it is one of those strange seasons. Yeah. Okay. Well, time to wrap it up,
0: guys. And um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And uh, an outstanding debut, Harry. Nice one, mate. Oh,
2: thank you very much.
0: Thanks. And Coming you, on, yeah. Yeah, and, and thank you, Howard.
2: Yeah,
1: pleasure as always.
0: Uh, and thanks to listeners for listening in. Uh, yesterday's announcement that from December the 2nd, Greater Manchester is to go back to the highest category of coronavirus restrictions was a bitter pill to swallow. Times are tough and are set to get even tougher. But, and while I don't wish to trivialise matters, I truly believe that football can be a weather vein to life. We've been in a third tier before and remember what came next. Our Gillingham awaits, our QPR awaits, good and unforgettable days await and we will enjoy them all together. Take care everyone and forever up the blues.